Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy, back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll focus on what lies ahead for the Retail IT channel with three leaders of the RSP community. David Gosman is a global industry strategist at HP and is the former CEO of Point of Sale Software Developer, PC America. He's been active in the RSP for over 15 years, including serving the past 12 months as chair of the RSP Board of Directors. Also, he was a guest on the first ever episode of our podcast way back in October 2019. Welcome back, David. Always a pleasure. Thank you. It's the uh, first episode. Wow, that's uh, I feel a little famous on that one. Sure. We're going to have you on like every 50 episodes or so. So just so you know, when we get to like 106 or something, we'll, we'll bring you back or sooner. We'll see. Our second guest is Michel Sirois. He's been a member of the Blue Star Canada team for nearly eight years, the last four and a half as president. Prior to joining Blue Star, he worked as Canadian sales manager for Motorola Solutions for over five years and for industrial marketing systems for 14 years. Michel has been active in the RSPA as a speaker for both in-person and online events, as a member of the RSPA Canadian community, and he's now the chair-elect for the RSPA board. Michel, wonderful to talk with you, my friend. Good afternoon. Good being here. Yes, great to have you here. Finally, Jeremy Julian is the Chief Operating Officer for VAR ISV Hybrid CBS Northstar. He's also host of the popular Retail Technology Guys podcast or Restaurant Technology Guys podcast. He's a frequent presenter at RSPA events, and he was just handed the gavel to serve as chair of the RSPA Board of Directors from now until July of 2022. Jeremy, congratulations and great to have you here. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always a pleasure. I also have to congratulate you on another feat. You are the first four-time guest on the Trusted Advisor podcast, so I have to thank you for being the one who returns my calls. So thank uh, well, you for being yeah. there. I, I, uh, I, as I tease you, I'm uh, I'm part of the uh, Jim Roddy Fan Club, uh, you know, president and uh, president of the fan club, and uh, you know, go out and search uh, search Twitter. You'll find uh, you'll find a couple of tweets with uh, Jim Roddy Fan Club uh, out there. Very nice. I I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, not just privately but publicly. So. <laughs> My pleasure, my pleasure. So this is a special episode of our podcast and not just because we're joined by what is essentially RSPA royalty. So this is a members only episode. So everyone is gonna be able to listen to David's, Michelle's and Jeremy's answers to our first few questions, but only RSPA members have access to the full episode. So if you're not part of the association, you should be because an RSPA membership has never been more valuable or more affordable starting at just $250 a year. If you're in Canada, like Michelle, that's 315 Canadian abouts. So to receive all the benefits of an RSP membership, including this full interview, email membership at gorspa.org. All right, let's dive deep into the topic of this episode, what lies ahead for the retail IT channel? So David, I'd like you to answer that question first, and then uh, the three of us, uh, the rest of us will weigh in on the point that you raise. Then I'm gonna ask Jeremy that same question and he can share from his perspective, we'll all discuss, then Michelle will share his thoughts. So David, take it away. What lies ahead for the retail IT channel? Well, Jim, it's a, it's a little bit of irony that you're you're asking the guy with an abacus behind him to weigh in on the future of IT. But you know, here goes. So, you know, I, I would say that you know, really, if you look at our past year and a half, right, the pandemic was obviously terrible in in so many ways. But if we look at the business side of it, it did generate a wave of accelerated innovation. And really, the role of the store and the restaurant was already kind of changing ahead of time. You know, the whole showrooming thing and, and so much more. 
but it really has very much rapidly evolved and it's a lot more tech dependent than it ever was. Uh, a couple of examples, restaurants, you have the virtual and ghost kitchens. They have orders coming from like every source, right? You don't just have people walking in anymore. You have third party orders and all that. And retailers, retailers need better ways to get, you know, their products to market um, and also to market to their customers and ways to make their stores more engaging so that you want to go into their stores. So while part of the market in retail IT has become commoditized and it's become harder to make money in, there's a lot more coming out that are solutions that are really more complicated. If you think of artificial intelligence, computer vision, edge computing, multi-channel commerce, it's all integrated together. I know a lot of those buzzwords, but there really is real needs and real solutions behind there. You know, businesses and business owners, they're gonna need help not just installing these complicated technologies, they're gonna to need to understand how to structure their business to actually embrace all this new change in technology. So in my opinion, I think there's a really unique opportunity for bars here. They can charge not just for kind of the traditional services, but related to new technology. I think they have an opportunity to actually also be advisors for business strategy services of how to actually operationalize the technology. So I think there's really some really exciting opportunities that are coming down the pipe here for you know for retail IT members. Great, thank you, Michelle. So what's your take on what David said in terms of you know what he sees lying ahead is we've seen a big acceleration in innovation. Uh, retailers, restaurants are becoming more technology dependent and that's a big opportunity for VARS. How do you see uh, how do you see what uh, what David's seeing? So we're looking at the uh, <clears throat> 360 approach to the channel being in the position that I am. I, I absolutely agree with what David is saying, which triggers behavior. And I think channel is going to have to positively react to these changes, the opportunities ahead of us, and embrace them. So I believe that the channel will have to re-educate re themselves into new ways of being the quote-unquote trusted advisor to the end-user customers because the retail is absolutely changing. Hospitality is absolutely changing. Some of them don't know. So the challenger sales approach of providing insights is more than ever value uh, that we should bring to the market. And I think the the, the channel and the uh, partner community out there that are going to be in a mode of consuming what's out there and new trends is uh, absolutely a question of the future for their organization. Status quo is not an option. More than ever, status quo will not be an option, right? Because the status quo is going away, right? So that's my opinion. Got it. And it seems like what we saw, you know, we've seen a lot of uh, retailers and restaurateurs late to get to the technology game. But to David's point and to what you just said, Michelle, you know, the pandemic forced them to go there. I'm not sure about online ordering. Well, that's going to be your only avenue uh, for business. So it, it kind of accelerated that for sure. And for those folks, uh, Michelle mentioned the Challenger sale. Highly, highly recommend that book. You can even search on the RSP website for Challenger Sale, and you'll see some uh, some content that we've produced on that. Really, really vital. Requires you to be a teacher to your customers, but you got to be a student first and learn about 
these new technologies. David, or, I'm sorry, uh, Jeremy, what's your take on uh, what David and Michelle have said so far? Wholeheartedly agree. And I think that um, th there's a couple of things that I will add to it is both consumers are now expecting these types of services. And so as a restaurateur, as a retailer, as a grocer, you need to be where your customers are expecting you to be. And um, as a restaurateur, and I know for many of our restaurants over this pandemic period, especially, they went and found their solutions, whether or not we brought it to them. And so as consumers are starting to drive that behavior to want to do third-party delivery, to want to do, you know, um, order over the phone and pick up, whatever the different modalities that they might need to interact with your brand, you as a VAR have an opportunity to either be part of that solution or let the restaurant tour or the retailer or the grocer figure it out on their own, at which point you're out of the um, value chain and they have less reliance on you. And so um, I think that, that, that the consumer behavior has accelerated significantly, as has the um, owner of this retail outlet. Their propensity to accept new technology is at an all-time high because to your point earlier, they didn't have a choice. Whereas they might have been reluctant to get to third-party delivery because they didn't want to lose the margin or or to do you know um, online ordering because it was going to cost them 100 bucks a month or whatever the number was, they may have had that challenge of saying I don't want to do that. Well, the pandemic hit; they didn't have a choice. But now consumers um, consumers expect to be able to interact with your brand the way that they want to. That might be with three-party delivery. That might be with online ordering. That might be with order ahead for dinner tonight that I send out a group order to my entire family and pick it up on the way home from soccer practice or whatever that might be. And if you're not in the place where your consumers are looking to do that, you're going to lose out on that sale. Again, how does it affect the channel? The channel ultimately has to be somebody that's going to provide that or the restaurant tour is going to find it on their own. Great. And David, why don't you wrap up this point before we ask Jeremy what he thinks lies ahead for the channel in terms of what you heard Michelle and Jeremy say and really the emphasis on being a trusted advisor. You know, I said, if your uh, merchants weren't picking up the phone and calling you or texting you or reaching out to you during the pandemic saying, give me some guidance, you might not be a trusted advisor. So what's, what's your take on uh, what they've said in that, the, that principle? You know, I mean, 100% agree. And, you know, really that pulls into question, if they're not calling you, then how much do they remember you, right? So were you a set it and forget it kind of provider or were you a set it and continue to educate them and get in front of them kind of provider? Um, you know, marketing yourself doesn't always mean you're, you're contacting them and say, hey, buy something else for me. A lot of it's just checking in to see other solutions are running. A lot of it is, hey, let me give you some tips that I've learned from some other customers and, and help teach you and make you a better business then you're a trusted advisor, right? You're not there to sell them, you're there to help them. And of course, you know, revenue comes from that. So wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, and, and before, and, oh, and go ahead, Michelle. May, uh, Jim, you know what, a, a checkpoint on this is if you are not the supplier of the end user today, but you've got the rapport with the end user, would he hire you as a consultant, right? Just ask yourself that question, right? Are they going to go to you for your insights, your knowledge of the business, and so on and so forth, and hire you to assist them in this change of, you know, the way to do business moving forward? If the answer is a real no, then you are not uh, really a trusted advisor, right? True, true. And, and so folks know we're not just talking theoretical 
you know, terms here, I can say we had the RSP marketing committee yesterday and we asked, you know, what are the biggest challenges that you're facing? And a reseller said, I lost three customers in a month. I've never had that happen before in all my years of doing this. Mm -hmm. And the customers went with someone else and they realized they have not been marketing to their current customer base and reaching out to them to say, let me teach you about the market. Let me tell you what products we're able to offer. And these customers all left to say we left because we wanted more of this. And they were like, well, we offer that, but they did not have those lines of communication. So what we're talking about right now, it's real. If you're listening to this and like, it couldn't impact me, you might be the reseller in a month saying, I lost three of my customers and you certainly don't want that to happen. So, well, before we turn to Jeremy, we do have to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Shift4 Payments and Blue Star. Michelle, thank you very much. Our gold sponsors are Heartland and ScanSource. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. All right, Jeremy, your turn. What lies ahead for the retail IT channel? And if you have the exact same answer as David and Michelle has the exact same answer as you, this is just going to be a really short podcast. But go ahead, <laughs> I, knock us out. I think there's some other things that uh, that we can add to add to um, what what we talked about earlier. And I think that um, consumers are looking for an experience. And so you've seen a convergence of retail, grocery, and restaurants through this period. And so um, we dubbed the term grocerant. You know, there's a lot of restaurant, I mean, grocery stores now that have a full service restaurant or, or prepared foods within those. You've got retail outlets that are now serving food to bring people in. You know, you think about those, those holistic experiences. How do I get consumers to come in the door? We talked about, you know, retail and David had thrown out some of the ideas of AI and and these ideas of, of um, you know, I know Nordstrom's was was a brand that was doing it for a while where you could come in and try and close and then the clothes showed up to your house. And Nordstrom's again has had it for a long time where they've had the e-bars inside of, inside of a Nordstrom's. I think in general, the lines are blurring between grocery, restaurant and retail in a significant way. And I think that um, this whole idea of, of melding those lines and solving those problems, I mean, for, for um, us that were at the um, Retail Now show, one of the things that John Taffer did talk about uh, amongst the many things that he talked about was creating an experience within your brand. And I think helping your restaurateurs, your retailers and your grocers to do that as a trusted advisor is critical to helping them succeed. You know, you'd hate to not be there to allow them to um, expose their customers to the things that they want to interact with your brand, whether that's self-service kiosk, whether that's text to order, whether that's some AI that's doing a voice order, you know, that's allowing them. I and mean, I, again, um, you know, Jim, I know that you listen to the, to, to the restaurant technology guys podcast constantly have these people that are innovating into this space. And, and the question for me um, running a, um, a brand and, and a technology partner that serves that industry is, is how are we going out and finding those for our customers and bringing them to our customers and saying, if you haven't considered doing this. And so I think the channel is in that place where the lines are blurring between the different, you know, the different verticals and the amount of technology, you're no longer just a hardware and software provider. You're a full tech stack provider um, that needs to be in that place. And and then I'll, I'll give you a plug because I know you've been beating this drum for a really long time. You've got to get into a place where you've got a recurring revenue stream into those those pieces. And it may end up being, you know, 
5% or 10% of that of that referral partner but if i've got 10 referral partners each each you know giving me a 10% sliver and the customer stays sticky because they can't replace you with all of those different providers now you're making the same amount of revenue that you might have done 10 years ago or 15 years ago where you sold a system and to david's uh, to to steal david's phrase set it and forget it Great, thank you for that. And so, David, before we ask you to weigh in, just Jeremy, you said about the grocer aunt. So I have a 15-year-old daughter, and I was just talking to her the other day because we were out uh, doing some shopping. My wife was doing some shopping, and so we went and ate lunch at a Whole Foods. And I said to her, when I was your age, like eating in a grocery store would have been considered a weird thing to do. Like you'd have to bring your can opener with you, right? Like nobody ate in a grocery store. Like they uh -huh. were just for grocery stores is is all they were. So they, they've certainly changed. So uh, David, your take on what Jeremy said in terms of it's all about the consumer experience. There's all sorts of blurring between verticals and uh, you have to help merchants create an experience within their brand. It's not just about moving product, it's about that experience. Well, what's your take on that and how it ties in for the retail IT channel? You know, I think Jeremy summed it up really well about the experience in general. I don't know if I have a ton um, to add to it, except maybe say a little more about what he said about the tech stack, right? So the best experiences are the ones that don't fail. If you think about that for a second, it's kind of the opposite of your worst experience. If you go into a business and let's say they've been, um, they've been hacked or their technology isn't functional and they didn't know about it, you've actually created a really negative experience for your customers, right? So that whole tech stack, reference that Jerry made is actually really super important because it's important that you're you're explaining to your retail and your hospitality customers, whether they be a grocer or whatever they may be, that you're also helping them with the underlying issues that they don't see, right? You're helping make sure that the machines are properly maintained, that you have predictive analytics on the hardware to see what might go wrong before it happens. You're going to help make sure that their security is updated and preventing any attacks or ransomware or hacks or whatever it may be, keeping their customer data safe. So those are things that they're not going to see you do, but they're going to see if you don't. So you really have to make sure that you also give regular reports back to them. Stop this many compromises. We replaced this hard drive, you know, three days before it was predicted to fail. So you're not down. I think those things have a huge impact and really help create that trust of, you know, they're like, well, I, I didn't know you did that, but that's that's great, right? And they really come to rely on you for that. Yeah, preventative maintenance, managed services, like uh, being able to really be in tune with that. Thank you, David. Michelle, what's your take on the whole, uh, what Jeremy raised, consumer experience um, and everything related underneath that? So, so you know, at the end of the day, if you, if you sum it up, right, um, the what we've gone through in the last 18 months is ease of doing business with right <clears throat> experience both online and offline experience now safety right i gotta feel safe when i'm getting into uh, the restaurant or your facility or whatever so if we if we base any of our approach on these pillars these are some of the critical areas that we should focus on, right? And I believe that the ones that 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 adapt into an approach like this with their customers, that's the name of the game, right? So challenges of of getting into your facility or ordering or whatever, and this is why we're saying we're seeing 
Bopis and and all of these things, Ropis, right? Uh, return uh, on on return in 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 on site and things like that. That's all about the experience, right? And I think if we're not focusing on that, um, we we are missing the point. So at the end, we have got to have the ability and the willingness of deep diving into these technologies so we can offer customers options and a way to you know do business a better way moving forward let's not kid ourselves the millennials are into our world and it's increasing and increasing and what are they looking at is it safe to go in how easy it is how easy it is to return stuff and things like that, we gotta focus on these things, right? So I'm absolutely with Jeremy. This is, this. these are some of the pillars that are extremely important, right? Great, and Jeremy, before you button up on this, I'm gonna tell two quick anecdotes. So tying in both with uh, customer experience. I can remember leaving NRF, I think it was six or seven years ago, walking out with uh, Randy Clark, uh, the late executive from Mercury Payments. And so they were all talking there about customer experience, customer experience, customer experience. I said to him, how many VARs do you think focus on customer experience? And he said, four. <laughs> right? And I was like, maybe if it was that many, like nobody talked about it. It was all about efficiency. So I'm glad it's now front and center and we're having uh, this conversation. We probably can talk about a lot of resellers. And again, one of them is is on this call right now um, uh, who who really embraces the whole customer experience. Then I'll tell you quick, I know what stays in, what uh, happens in Vegas is supposed to stay in Vegas, but I'll share a Vegas story. So my <laughs> wife and I just vacationed there. We stayed at the Aria, right? So that's a very nice hotel. We rented a car and so they had a parking garage. And so when we checked in, we said we wanted to pay, it was like $30 a day for parking. And it was like unlimited in and out. So they said, oh, here's your room key. And it's programmed that it'll get you in and out of the parking garage as well. Perfect. Great. All sync together. Well, what happens when we go to leave? It doesn't work. Some person is down there standing next to the gates that are coming in. They have to press the button and let us out. They have to actually press the button to call somebody to let us out. Okay. We come back in. It still doesn't work. I go back to the front desk. I'm like, it's not working. They're like, let me reprogram it for you. They go and do the whole reprogramming for us, right? What happens when we leave again? Same thing it doesn't work again so then we come back and the person at the front desk says and again you have to wait in line to go to the front desk here i'm not a, like a vip or anything and so when i finally get up there and she's like oh they didn't program it correctly let me give you totally brand new cards so she does that guess what happens the next time we leave it doesn't work it never worked the whole time and the whole time there was a human being standing out there running back and forth because the thing wouldn't work and i thought this what a terrible inefficient very bad no good customer experience here like how can you not get the cards to integrate i'm again i don't know how to do it but i thought call a var and maybe this is a call out to a var if anybody serves the casino industry the parking or hotel or anything like that there's a great opportunity there at the aria they never ever ever got it right and they wasted a lot of individuals times there to do it i'm not so concerned so much about my time but the staff member who was parked there you know 24 7 in order to make things happen so uh, Jeremy, and, I, oh, go ahead, Michelle. And what do we remember? Our worst and our best experience. That's right. right? What do we remember? So where do you want to stand? The worst or the best? And let's be honest, all of in between, we forget, right? Let's put some thought into this, right? There could be a strategy around this. 
For sure. Well said. Jeremy, uh, wrap us up here on the whole uh, consumer experience and feel free to call me a crankpot for complaining about well, my parking pass. Well, first and foremost, I want to I want to change change some some opinion here and ask opinion of our other panelists. There, you are a VIP. You might not be a VIP at uh, at Aria, but you are a VIP as it, as it relates to the RSPA and to our channel. So that's how you, I'll, that's how you I'll say you are a VIP. Jerry, that's how you keep on getting invited back to the podcast. Well, you know, I got I got to get them in when I can. You know, I get a mic in front of me, I got to go there. But uh, but I think uh, as as both David and Michelle were, were talking, that the thing that I'm reminded of is is how does it impact the channel? Is you've got to pick the right partners. You got to pick the right partners with with tools that integrate and tools that will talk to each other. Tools that will allow your front desk system to talk to your parking system in your example. And so your 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 story hit on it. David talked about the fact that if you don't have a good guest experience, but if you've got two systems that won't talk to each other because you don't have a good relationship with your partner, which again goes back to a, a shameless plug for the RSBA and finding good partners that are willing to invest in the channel and invest in your business as well as you investing in theirs. Um, and I know, Michelle, you know, Blue Star does a fantastic job in their ISV channel of, of connecting different partners that are willing to talk to each other. Um, you know, and, and um, so from that perspective, as a VAR, as a channel member, you've got to pick the right partners to be able to deliver these solutions to people. Because ultimately, like I said in my in my little rant, the customer is going to find the right solution for themselves. If you deliver it to them, you know that it's going to be interoperable. If they figure it out on their own, you're now left holding the bag saying, let me go try and figure out how to make this work with the solution that I already have deployed to that to that site. And now what does that look like long-term for you and for the guest experience? So. Very good. Thank you. I hope, again, resellers, ISVs really heed what we're talking about here. And there's all sorts of things that you can do inside your own organization. And like Jeremy said, really work to find those partners who can provide that standout customer experience for your merchants. All right, Michelle, it's your turn. Uh, from your perspective, what's the number one thing, what's the most important thing that uh, lies ahead for the retail IT channel? So, so I, I can't, I cannot forget one very critical element is re-educating ourselves and re-educating our sales organizations, right? Because here we are constantly saying that status quo is not an option. Okay, what do we do about it? So I think, and and and, and I really reinforce that we have to re-educate ourselves into that new world, what's going on out there, right? So that's piece number one. Piece number two, what's the target audience? Because there's a lot of noise going on, right? You can spin your wheels day in and day out. So Miller Iman says there's two pillars where you should focus your sales energy. Companies that are in trouble mode and companies that are in growth mode, right? Beautiful as it is, what did the pandemic do? They, they put a lot of people in trouble, a lot of people in massive growth mode. So the opportunity is there. But some customers that say, I'm good, I'm okay, status quo is my option, may not be a target audience for us short term, right? So we've got to re-educate, we've got to target the right audience, and then you said it a little bit, you're not alone. So VARs or partners that believe that they could do it all on their own, mm, I'm not seeing this. The ecosystem is becoming so critical out there. Uh, Jeremy, you said it, and you, Jim, also a little bit. 
the ISV community. The ISV community is growing extremely fast. They're saying that by 2027, there's going to be over a million ISVs offering solutions just in North America, right? So to you guys' point, what's the pain point and how can we address this? And by the way, it doesn't mean you got to do it all or the partners got to do it all, but I think the partners got to have an ecosystem of partners. Yes, I just said it. So partners partnering with partners in order to provide the best solution to the customer. So I think that the you know Chinese wall saying I could do it all and I don't need anyone to assist, I think is gonna fail down the road. Uh, you, you, you gotta be curious, you gotta be agile, and you gotta be honest enough and have the ability of saying, I gotta reach out to complete the offer and even if I'm not selling XYZ solution in a global approach, but part of it and recommend, uh, you know, the right ISV or whatnot, that's a win, right? Uh, so so I, I believe that these are very, very critical things. Last but not least, um, <clears throat> the new technologies, right? Again, I feel that there's a lot Beacons, RFID, uh, locationing, analytics, and I could go on. All of these are pillars that are becoming very important. Um, you can't do it all. And you can't do it all at the same time, right? So I think, you know, one piece at a time, a project, execute on a project, successful project, you can replicate and replicate and replicate. But I think the channel that tries to approach all of it at the same time with all kinds of, you know, partners and whatnot, that's too much, right? So one, one small piece at a time, get to be knowledgeable enough to repeat the win or the successful implementation into another end user customer and get to become an expert in one area, then move to the second and third area. So I believe that these are some of the critical elements that we've got to embrace, no choice. No, I like that. And David, I want you to comment on what Michelle said. I guess what I put it down into is, you know, establish an educational pipeline so you're aware of the new products and the new applications out there. And then also, once you learn about those, it can't just stay between your ears. And it's not like a light switch thing. I've been doing this and click, I'm going to do this. How do you execute and make the, the progress on it? So, David, what's your take on what uh, Michelle said and, and how that impacts our channel? It's good advice. So maybe I'd boil it down to you can't boil the ocean, right? I mean, so, <laughs> you know. There's a, lot, there's a lot out there and you really have to make sure you're grasping what you can handle, but you're also not grasping too little, right? I mean, you really have to be looking towards that future step. So, you know, I think you summarized it pretty well. And I would also touch um, really quickly on something that he mentioned in the beginning of his comments too, you know, about the aspects of, of sales, right? We spent a lot of time talking about technology and what we're going to sell, but are you training your teams of, of how to sell? How are you selling today? Um, really quick example, I, you know, I was, um, you know, in my role at HP, right, I was getting some marketing work done, a brochure and a video and getting done. 
and I was on the road and my uh, sales rep was trying to get a hold of me. I wasn't super responsive on email because I was traveling and bam, I get a text pop up and I was able to communicate with her and get things done. You know, making sure that your employees know what's the appropriate time and what communication venue is appropriate for the right customer is, uh, is big. Having ways to communicate the value and staying in touch with your customers and understanding what works for each individual customer is a talent that, you know, IT VARs need to make sure their sales reps understand as well. So it's kind of a little off topic, but Michelle had touched on the, uh, the sales training in the beginning and the how-to is as important as the what. For sure. Yeah. And the gap between what you offer and what your sales team can actually sell to people, that's got to be in lockstep. There can't be some some big gap in between. We Jer don't sell a pro we don't sell products anymore. That's Let, right. We sell outcomes. This. We're not yep. selling a product anymore, right? We're selling the outcome, right? This we're selling a solution. Easily right. said, easily said, but yep. We've got to transform into this because it's so easy saying, I offer this, right? Doesn't resonate anymore. Yep, a different sales approach to say, ain't she a beaut, right? And show the actual physical product versus understanding what outcomes the uh, the merchant wants to achieve and then you helping helping them get there. Jeremy, you your take on this. Michelle has a, a warehouse full of outcomes, by the way, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I think there's there's one thing that I'll I, I want to just make sure that everybody in the in the audience knows. Michelle used the word ISV, and I did have a couple of people go, "What is this term ISV?" Actually, two weeks ago at Retail Now, and so you know, really software to vendors, you know, there's people that are creating right. software solutions that may be hardware dependent, might not be hardware dependent, and so um, I even know for some of the people on. Uh, on my team, they're like, you guys use all these acronyms, and people that are new to the industry or new to new to these things, they use these as education. So um, I'll, I'll just park it on that and and remind everybody that ISVs are really these software vendors that are out creating solutions. But I I think and, that and the, um, and the I stands for independent. So independent software vendor, they're not owned by like a payment processor or a hardware company. They're they do software. So all right, back to you, Jeremy. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. Um, but uh, the the thing I I would like to to remind everybody is something that Michelle said that that really is this whole idea of you helping provide the solution for that customer even if you're not the resident expert on it I don't mm -hmm. think you have to be the expert in everything but I think you have to have expert relationships to create outcomes for your customers that might be calling on five different ISVs to come in and solve a problem for somebody. That might be calling on three different hardware vendors to come in and solve something for somebody. That may end up being four different service providers to come in and solve some service issue that they have. You don't need to boil the ocean to David's point, but you do need to be knowledgeable about what the customer wants and how to help them get it. It may mean monetization for you. It may mean monetization in the future. It may mean that you get a smaller portion of the pie today but I promise you, you continue to solve those problems for people, they're gonna continue to look to you guys. People will ask me, why do you end up listening to so many podcasts? Why do you end up going to these trade shows? Why do you end up talking to your vendors so much? It's so that when a customer calls me and says, I need X, Y, Z, um, that I have a solution to provide to them, even if it's not something that's already currently on our line card, I can give them a referral to somebody so that the next time they need something, I can refer them to somebody else that can solve a problem for them. And I'm now still part of that value chain every time so that when they do need to buy something from us, amazingly, they call you. If you get out of that value chain, they stop remembering who you are. They stop remembering who you are. Somebody else is providing that value to them. They're going to replace you and buy from somebody that is, is supplying that value.
Yep, earn the phone call, no doubt about it. And so, Michelle, before I give you the last word um, on what lies ahead for the Retail IT channel, we should talk about a POS MSP who specializes in RFID, RMM, and they enable you to do BOPUS. So uh, if you want to use all those acronyms and cram them together. so we'll I'm come. sorry, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that was I was making all those up. I was just uh, bringing all those in there. So all legitimate terms and, you know, don't get me started on what an ISO is. Uh, so, Michelle, take us home. Uh, the last step in terms of before we uh, wrap this up for the non-members, uh, what's your last word on what lies ahead for the, the retail IT channel? Uh, honestly, if you surround yourself with, you know, the right uh, partners, if you surround yourself with the right ecosystem, if you surround yourself with the right attitude, agility, curiosity it's a phenomenal uh, time in business for technology it's never been greater right it's never been greater but story says or, or history says that 20 30 percent of them are not going to make it through why because they do not have the appetite of change and of adapting to the new reality out there. Because let's let's absolutely not kid ourselves. We're not going to go back to what it was, right? This this will leave scars in the industry and in the way to do business with retail, with hospitality. We're never ever going to go back to the past. So what do you do? And the choice is ours, right? It's I move on and adapt and be you know curious enough to move forward or i stay there but things around you are not going to stay the same so that's easy enough but in a simple way that's what the the, the challenge is ahead of us can i add one more face to that jim i know you gotta we gotta wrap soon but uh By all means. the one thing i would say to the channel specifically is 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 more and more of these software vendors are are going direct to the consumer and you can either let them go do that and and if i were a guess if i were to guess to that uh that bar that you were talking about jim it was probably a direct software vendor that marketed to them and sold to that uh customer directly and so if you're not in in with those existing customers and with your potential new customers solving problems for them somebody else is and so the the future of the channel relies on people doing the things that the, that the four of us have been talking about for the last 40 minutes or so. Because without it, these, these direct software vendors are gonna figure out how to go into these consumers and into these brands directly and, and eliminate the channel if we don't get our act together and start to provide value and start to provide outcomes to, to what Michelle would say earlier. They'll and, offer and, cheaper, <laughs> cheaper, simpler, sexier, Right, so VARs have to, and I and software developers, value-added resellers and software developers have to provide it better. Michelle, uh, before we go to the uh, members-only portion, last word. Just before David jumps in, recurring revenue, recurring revenue. Jeremy, I think you're the one that 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 talked about it. This is where the world is going, right? I know my daughter doesn't really need to own a car. But once she wants a car, she needs to have access to a car. So in my neighborhood, you can rent a car, right, for a couple of hours. So it's X dollars. What I'm saying is, is, is 
the era of people purchasing big capex projects may be something that is going to be behind us moving forward people will prefer i believe opex a thousand dollars a month for the next three months or three years so let's not forget this and recurring revenue could be financing could be recur pure recurring revenue but people that have made it through the challenges that we've had are a lot of them are people that have recurring revenue coming in right let's not forget that that's right my next question is for david but that his answer is going to be for rsp members only so again to receive all the benefits of an rsp membership email membership at go rspa.org if you're already a member just go to the rspa website log in visit the on-demand section of the rspa academy accelerate portal and you'll be able to listen to the rest of it